Welcome to Schoolhouse Equity in Education. I am Allison Brown, and I am your host. In November of 2016, the Communities for Just Schools Fund co-hosted a conference, Education Anew, Shifting Justice. Our goal was to bring together education justice activists and organizers with juvenile justice activists and organizers for shared understanding, information, and to develop shared strategy about how to make sure that children, particularly children of color, have access to educational opportunity and are kept out of the criminal justice system. As part of the Education Anew Conference, which was held in Memphis, Tennessee, we also co-hosted a hackathon for young people who attended the conference to develop solutions to everyday social justice issues that they encounter in their schools and in their communities. Today, we're going to talk about that hackathon and the long-term potential of a marriage of social justice and technology. My guests are Darlene Gillard-Jones, the Chief Community Officer and a founding team member of Digital Undivided, which is a social enterprise that fosters economic growth through the empowerment of Black and Latina women entrepreneurs using innovation as a tool. Welcome, Darlene. Thank you, Allison. Jerome Hardaway is the Executive Director of Vets Who Code, a veteran-operated organization that trains early-stage transitioning veterans and active-duty military spouses in software development. Thanks for being here, Jerome. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And Amina Yamusa is the founder and CEO of Block, a professional networking platform for Black collegians that helps them realize and leverage their collective brilliance. Many thanks for joining us, Amina. Thank you, Allison. So both Amina and Jerome were mentors at the hackathon, and Digital Undivided really led the charge when it came to the hackathon, designing the hackathon and supporting the teams of young people who worked on the hacks at the hackathon. Darlene, when I was first envisioning a conference that would bring together hundreds of education justice activists with juvenile justice activists, I decided that we should partner with you guys with Digital Undivided. It seemed like a no-brainer to me to bring you guys in for the hackathon. Will you just tell people what is Digital Undivided? As you mentioned, Digital Undivided um, uses innovation to foster the economic growth and empowerment of Black and Latina women entrepreneurs. So basically, we work with women to help them grow and scale, and ultimately, our goal is to have them sell their tech-enabled businesses. And so for us, you know, we believe that focusing on women is key. You know, if you equip women with the proper resources, they have the power to uplift entire communities. And so women are focused. They're all tech-enabled businesses um, that are founded and co-founded by these women. And so bringing that passion, I guess, for uplifting communities to Memphis was important to us. And, you know, the work that you guys are doing, you're working with kids, we just felt really strongly about being part of it. And we're happy to be there and to see what actually happened in the end, which were successful applications for solving social justice issues in communities around the country. We hear about hackathons and about hacking. What is a hackathon and what actually took place in November in Memphis? Uh, hackathons are usually are events typically lasting anywhere from 24 to 48 hours in which numbers of people, they meet, they come together to engage in collaborative computer programming, generally trying to create either a product or solve a problem that's with a 
outstanding product. Now, what was different with this was that while the mentors had technical background, the youth didn't. And instead of solving a problem in regards to a product, they're trying to solve social issues using technology. Uh, think of it more as how to make it easier. For instance, our application that we focused on was how to make it easier for LGBTQ youth to interact in safe places and find tools and resources to ease their lifestyle and make it easier to um, integrate as they become an adult. And Amina, I know that you and Jerome were the, the mentors for the winning team and uh, Jerome just briefly described the winning team's hack. But what were some of the other hacks that you saw at the hackathon in November? Yes, so there was a chat box that allowed particularly underrepresented youth to be able to leverage Facebook Messenger to get some real-time support. There was, I'm trying to remember some of the other really great solutions. There were a couple other similarly-minded social networks to what we were doing. Mm -hmm. um, there were a couple of apps that um, allowed people, at least in their idea stage, to get more information on services that could be helpful to them. Um, so I think there was a really strong blend of different types of ideas. And I think the, the common thread, of course, was education, justice, but also community and finding ways to unite communities that are particularly disadvantaged when it comes to um, targeted resources. And Amina, you said that the hack that you described was a chat bot. What is a chat bot for those folks who, like me, have no idea what that is? Essentially what it does is you literally just type in messages as if it's Facebook Messenger or even, I guess, taking it a little further back, like AIM, um, and you can get a response that's actually programmed into the back end of the chat bot. Um, and I believe they also had a functionality to be able to just reach out directly to the team members who started the idea, but the idea was that the actual chat bot back end had information stored that could be relevant to the youth from the very beginning. So it was a really cool idea. There were five teams total, right, Darlene, and every team received a prize of some sort. What were some of the prizes that came from some of the corporate sponsors? So the prizes that we got were donated generously by GoDaddy. Digital Undivided actually gave prizes Xbox. I don't remember the number, but, you know, the top prize was the Xbox. We got Spotify credits from Spotify. We got a bunch of swag from Facebook and Twitter. And they're all companies that have supported us in the past. So they were really very interested in supporting the kids. You know, as you mentioned, there were five teams. And they all formed themselves. So everyone convened in one place. And each kid who was interested or had an idea that they wanted to share got up in front of the group and, you know, said the problem that they wanted to solve. And we had maybe 25 kids who had issues that they wanted to solve. And once that happened, the rest of the kids in the room kind of got together and and went to the person or the team that they thought they wanted to be part of. And so that was awesome because it just was collaborative and maybe not a way that they used to working before, but it sort of um, just reflects the way that the tech industry works. Mm -hmm. And as Jerome stated, the mentors all had experience you know, creating applications and things like that, but none of the kids did. It was like non-techies with techies. 
able to collaborate mm-hmm. intensively on actionable solutions mm-hmm. using technology to solve the problems in their communities. And so it was really a great mashup. I felt like it was a highlight of the conference for sure. I agree that it was absolutely a highlight. It was really crucial for us to be partnered with Digital Undivided in this way because of Digital Undivided's leadership on uh, really closing the digital gap. And, you know, part of the education justice and juvenile justice issues really stem from that gap, you know, the wealth gap, the opportunity gap, the digital gap between black and brown children and their white counterparts. And so it was really beautiful to see the Black mentors who were working with the teams of young people to develop their hacks and who were supporting them in learning how to code and how to design their hacks. It was very beautiful and it was very impactful for people to see that coming together and the partnership that was developed between the young people and their mentors. Jerome, why was it important to you to participate, and, and what did you take away from the hackathon? Well, for me, it was a, a bit of a learning experience. Uh, I have very little experience with, like, teaching youth. So that was one thing that I was intrigued by and trying to see how that experience was. I figured what better way to do that than uh, mentoring some youth when it comes to tech. The what how's the best way to say that to translate because there was just so many things like it was just so it was uh, a crazy experience for me because like there were just so many variables that I was not thinking about when I first said yeah sure I'll do I saw the email I was like yeah it sounds like fun and then I was like oh snap I might be over in my head I don't know what I'm doing I get it <laughs> <laughs> just coming from like having like, I had the technical experience but maybe the social experience or these users. Uh, all these different backgrounds, I didn't have that experience. So it was great to have like a Nina there uh, who had some of that experience and other people around me. So that way I could be more comfortable and ask questions and how to interact with them to help them get to their, uh, create their MVP, which is a minimal, minimal viable product for the hackathon. I love their ideas. A lot of the things that came for like, Building a problem for social uh, communities was pretty, they were very unique. They were definitely things that when I hang out with people who are technical, the conversations were just totally different on how, it was more about how it's feel and what people need and things of that nature. It's, you know, with, when you're around technical people, all they talk about is features and, mm-hmm. you know, when, you know, basically user stories and things like that. It wasn't like that with the youth. It was more, uh, way more organic. So that was really interesting. I enjoy the aspect of being able to build stuff. I rarely get to actually put uh, pixels to pavement in my current mm-hmm. position. So just being able to get behind a keyboard and work was uh, pretty fun. And Amina, the work that you do to really elevate the experiences of, of Black collegians all over the country, how does that relate to uh, the work that you did as a mentor for the hackathon at Education Anew? And, and what did you take from that experience? When it comes to the, the work we're really trying to do is help black college students leverage their collective brilliance. And I think that the solution that Jerome and I mentor, but all the solutions in the room we're really doing or in some ways rooted in similar mission. So I think that was really a common thread. Again, we have a, a strong focus in our community of building a social capital in communities that don't necessarily have it and realizing that um, if you bring students together, 
um, in many ways, they have the answers to their own problems. So I think that's the real connection between the work that I do with Block and then the hackathon itself. Jerome, have you participated in other hackathons before? And, and if so, how was this one different than others you've seen? This, uh, I have done a few um, hackathons before in my uh, past. And they were uh, a lot more boring <laughs> than this one. Uh, like, that's, I think just for me, that was the biggest thing. Like, you know, there was some, there was definitely a learning curve, but it's very rare when you kind of have a hackathon with the people who are trying to solve the problem are actually people who, you know, encounter the problems regularly. Mm-hmm. Usually um, in hackathons, there are people who, you know, we all, you know, it's very cookie cutter. The, the inclusion, tech inclusion diversity levels are really, really low mm-hmm. when it comes to minorities and women. And like I said, it's very cut and dry. You're trying to create something to win. Well, these people in this room are all trying to create something to make their lives better, easier, more secure, safer, like that was a really huge difference. You know, people, you know, they're trying to go to, you know, you go to hackathons in NYC and Silicon Valley. Those guys are there for the relationships, for the funding. Uh, they, you know, they want to become the next Zuckerberg uh, mm-hmm. or Musk, et cetera, et cetera. You know, these people in this room, they just wanted to make sure, you know, that they could go home and be safe. That's what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And that was so cool to be uh, dealing with the youth. And that was the problem they wanted to solve. They want to go through their day-to-day and not be uh, judged. Or they want to make it safe to uh, feel secure that they can get a respected or reputable job and not be uh, scrutinized because of who they are. Mm-hmm. So that is like a huge difference in between hackathons that, you know, are usually more heavily tech-based and not uh, based on, like, a more social component as opposed like, as this one was. What do you all think can be done about trying to bridge that that divide, right? How can we make sure that the voices of impacted communities are actually at the table for decisions about funding, about creation of certain apps and technology that will actually address their experiences directly. What can we do, Darlene? You know, digital undivided is focused on women, right? And women rule. (laughs) We sort of are the leaders as far as standing up for causes, you know, changing and impacting communities. Um, You know, mothers are going to take care of their children, boys and girls. And so I think... For us, what we decided to do as an organization is to, you know, stay focused on that. When Digital Undivided was founded, you know, we went around the country to different underserved communities and said to people, you too can start a tech business. You don't need permission. It is an internet connection, an idea. Let us help you figure it out, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm so we impacted so many people doing that as well as via social media, which is which is big for us. And so now here we are, you know, we had done all this work in 2015, did a research report called Project Diane, where we looked at the state of black women in tech entrepreneurship in the United States. We were able to quantify the problem and we landed on opening up a space in downtown Atlanta where companies that are founded by these women can come in 
and get the coaching training networks and capital that they need to build and scale their businesses. And so I feel like we are on the ground doing work. Um, we've opened up our space to the community at large. Atlanta is one of the markets that we obviously thought was important for a lot of reasons. And we're looking at expanding to other cities, again, in underserved areas where we can bring people in and say, you too can do it. Mm-hmm. You just need the access, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we've been helping to build a pipeline to getting people in and, and just into this space and helping them to create companies that, you know, will be scalable. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's actually the founder of a company that went through our incubator accelerator here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, she demoed one of, you know, um, investors in the community at large. And, you know, we're going to continue to support her so that she can do the work to support young people and get them the access that they need to become gainfully employed and, and to win. Mm-hmm. So we're all kind of doing that work on the ground yeah. to really make a difference. And I feel like, especially now, it's super important, you know, in this political climate, it's even, you know, the work that we're doing is even more important. Well, and, you know, certainly part of the vision for the conference and the hackathon together was to try to contribute to that pipeline that Digital Undivided is is creating. And we had, you know, five teams of incredibly talented young people with their ideas for what, what would make their own lives better, as you said, Jerome. And, and Jerome and Amina, you were, you were the mentors of the winning team. Tell us about them. Who were the team members? What was their process like? What was the final product? Basically, from the breakup, the markup from everybody in the community uh, and our team that we worked on, most of them but I'll say the half our group was in the or youth in the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. And they were from different backgrounds. We had African American, Asian, Latino. They were all, you know, the different walks of life and they all felt strongly about this same problem because regardless of where they were, how old they were, um, they were all encountering these issues. And that was mm-hmm. really a very unique thing to see was that, you know what, regardless whether East Coast, West Coast, uh, in the Deep South, uh, there are still these overlapping issues that kind of unites people. So that was uh, one big thing about it. I think the youngest group, the youngest person in our group was like, I think, 13, 14, young, really young. uh, 11. 11. Oh, yeah, 11. Yeah, she was. Yeah. Yeah, so we had like an 11-year-old and... uh, I think the oldest person was like 23 outside of me. I guess I was the gramps of the uh, <laughs> group. So that's what it was. What we built, we used uh, React on Rails. We built an app called uh, Uplift that would make it so the LGBTQ uh, youth and people that support them would be able to communicate safely, find resources, things of that maker, the MVP or the minimum viable product was basically you could log in and set up your profile and start connecting with people in your area automatically. Mm. I think their next steps, they want to build more things into it and start more features into it Mm -hmm. and start like building relationships to get funding. Uh, Last week, I introduced them to a person who's really prominent in the uh, LGBTQ community. Uh, Her name is uh, Carolina Ada, Mm -hmm. and she is a senior engineer at GitHub. Mm -hmm. I feel like she was way more 
articulate in their issues than I was. And since it was already in the technology that she's a rock star in, mm. I definitely felt like they would be a really great, uh, it would be a really great connection. This is a person who, you know, has gone through some of the things she's gone through, seen uh, some of the things you guys are enduring now, and, you know, she's made it. So that mm-hmm. was, you know, I felt like it, it would be like a, you know, a dual solution for them. And I only have someone that that is uh, trained well and can actually do really good work for their application, mm-hmm. but also has a similar walk of life that they do. And Amina, Jerome mentioned that the team was working through some of the issues that they identified in their experiences and in their community. What were some of the issues and how did the team speak about those things? At the beginning of the hackathon, every person had the opportunity to pitch their ideas. Mm-hmm. And so when teams came together, um, we had, for example, I think three different people who had pitched on our team. Um, we were seeking to unify um, the best of everything they were each pitching. Um, so, for example, one member of our team was really focused in on the uplift portion of our app, right? So how do we allow people to provide positive affirmation to each other and to just really like be there and support each other? Um, we had another member of our team who does a lot of activism work and training in the local Chicago area, and he was really interested, right, in thinking about how do we leverage this as a tool for allies, right, mm-hmm. for parents, for teachers, to help them understand how to better communicate with and support um, the youth in their life. And then there were other members of our team who were really interested more in this, the social capacity, right? So mm-hmm. how do we bring together a community and therefore use that to provide more information on local services and resources? And I think we did our best to tease through um, and to pull out the most of that. Um, I think we ended up probably incorporating the most um, when it comes to the affirmation component and then the resource community component. But I just love their vision for moving beyond that and thinking of ways to, again, really focus in on supporting LGBTQ youth, but at the same point also thinking about how to provide some of that information in a way that can help external allies really step it up when it comes to empowering them. One of the last questions that I want to ask all of you is about the political climate. And Darlene, you mentioned that now is a challenging time. And so I wonder, how are all of you thinking of technology and social justice in this moment in time, how are you experiencing this as tech people, and what do you see technology being able to do to really help us get through and resist and create um, better solutions than what we're seeing right now? Darlene? For me, Allison, I have to tell you on election day, I was, um, or the next day, I was really sad because it was maybe less than a week after coming from Memphis and, you know, working with these kids. Mm-hmm. And I knew some of the issues and problems that they had, and I saw the new administration as one that would not be supportive of a lot of them and their issues. So I took a day, like everyone else, I think, to, you know, gather myself. And then first I was angry because I was very concerned about them. Mm-hmm. Not so much myself, but them and my community. But then it just made me more um, just ready to do more. Mm-hmm. I realized that technology is 
a way to freedom, mm. economic freedom, and that the work that we're doing is that much more important now. So we have, as I said, opened up the space here in Atlanta, which was initially, you know, dedicated to just our incubator. But now it's like, we're going to do more for the community. We're going to bring more people in. Mm -hmm. We're going to get more people into the tech pipeline. We're bringing back some of the initiatives that we had done early on um, when we first got started, before the Real Diversity Conversation started happening in tech, and just digging our heels in and going harder. Mm -hmm. We have been funded by the U.S. Small Business Administration. So we're concerned with that. Mm -hmm. We're unsure about what that means for us down the road. And so, you know, it's a lot to take in. And, you know, I just want to be, or we as an organization, want to continue to be supportive of other groups that serve underserved communities. We just have to persevere. I mean, we, I think, as a community, have been in positions like this before. Um, and we're strong. I think black women are the strongest people on earth. <laughs> and so I think we'll, you know, come out on top of it. It will be hard. What about you, Amina? What are your feelings and thoughts right now as a tech person and thinking about where things stand today? So I think that when it comes to technology and how it places all of that, I think that we at this time are, are really blessed that we can leverage technology to challenge alternative facts mm-hmm. um, and to, to mobilize our communities. And I think it's extremely important that, as Rami mentioned, the communities that have managed to, you know, mobilize mass movements without the role of even the internet, um, that we find ways to leverage the technology to even amplify the work that we've done and to really share the lessons that we've um, been able to hold on within our communities to mm-hmm. a, a larger audience. But I think technology has a huge role. And again, I think just coming back to this, it's great to talk about alternative facts, making sure that we're realizing the power of niche platforms, of I guess, alternative media, mm-hmm. um, to make sure that again, we're holding the powers that be accountable for the things that they are saying. Um, and really demonstrating the lack of truth quite frequently in what is currently being said. So I think technology is critical right now. Um, I think there's even a, a larger level, right, of thinking in even about the security of data and making sure that we um, as communities are protecting the people who use our digital products. For example, I was at an event the other day. I was talking about to what extent might the data that different websites be collecting in some ways be leveraged to to do things like support a quote-unquote Muslim ban, or in what ways could that be used ultimately to um, help target the dreamers, things like that. And it was a conversation that I had never been exposed to. I never even thought about how technology or data could be leveraged in such a harmful way. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was happy to be a part of that conversation because as a person, right, who is launching a platform, thinking about safety even yeah. that we have to be thinking about and implement to make sure that we're protecting our users. So I think it's multifaceted, but again, the when it comes to um, making sure that we're in control of our own narratives, that we are calling out falsehoods is important, and then also protecting the people who are utilizing our product is also key. And Jerome, what about you? Uh, Raj, because uh, my current position is definitely, it's even more difficult 
my organization, we have really strong ties in both Silicon Valley and New York, mm-hmm. and which are more liberal leaning. Mm-hmm. However, veteran and military communities tend to sometimes be very conservative. Mm-hmm. And so that duality, you know, there's also a constant where we're trying to help veterans get into these really cool positions and things of that nature. You know, culture fit comes into play as well. People don't want to work with people that they absolutely hate. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and, you know, that's just the reality of it. And we are trying to figure out how to help serve veterans that may not have a well, more welcome view in these types of communities uh, and get them in there. So that's one big issue that we are having, as well as we're seeing just how to help um just how to help people. A personal story that's coming from, you know, within our walls is a veteran that we brought with us to Silicon Valley through some high-level introductions. Mm-hmm. The day after the current administration came into power, his three-year-old son came to him and asked, were they going to be deported? Mm. That the son well, had been born, was three, had been born in America. His father was a nationalized citizen and a American veteran, but mm-hmm. because they were uh, from Pacific Islands, they were concerned they may be a part of that group of brown people that, you know, the current ministry doesn't want here. Yeah. And to, you know, have that happen, like while I'm in, uh, literally I was in, I was happy to be back at Silicon Valley for that, during that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was one of the happiest places and most like free and open spots in America. And to, you know, directly impacted my community, it was really shocking Mm. because I think people just, when they think of the type of problems that are going on, they only have one type of person that comes to mind. They're not thinking about, you know, like how many Iraqi interpreters do this. For instance, this weekend was a terrifying act. You know, they technically betrayed people in their villages and things of that nature to come work with the United States of America, and they can't. They can't come into this country now because they have to be on a, from a country on that list. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, how many people who are from those countries and happen to be uh, Muslim-born and they have served this country. So people don't really, they have a skewed view of what that means. And what, what only best thing we can do in our community is support people who are having those, you know, having those fears, things of that nature. I can literally tell you guys that I was, I was at Facebook and like, that is like the happiest place on earth. And even there, those guys, they were like, it was just sadness. Mm-hmm. It was like, I can't understand um, how we are going to like go move further like that was the number one question what do we do what do we do now mm-hmm. so that's like what, what we're doing we're focusing on you know just doing good work and focusing on all those veterans that we can't help and focusing on like being like once again like because my position is really weird mm-hmm. because as an african-american and a veteran i'm usually when it comes to conservatives they want to try to use me as an example of like how, you know, the system isn't rigged against African Americans, things of that nature. And it's like I am an African American success story for my community. I come from Memphis, Tennessee, from a um part like uh the inner city and things of nature. And I can tell you hundred and fifty percent that the system is rigged. Uh that people who have done a lot less than me have gotten a lot further in the same amount of time frame simply because 
of the who they know type of game and you know just because they come from a different background so it's very and it's very weird I'm, it's almost take, like they're taking a guess that you know I would say such a thing because I'm an American veteran I'm supposed to say what they believe but the harsh reality is you know not everything's black and white there are shades of gray and we have to as a country we have to be more open to those shades of gray so that we can get the whole picture not just what we choose to see well and i thank you all for sharing those thoughts and i you know we uh, we're sitting here now about two weeks into the new administration and have experienced already and witnessed already the draconian policies and practices that have been put in place and so it's a it's a dangerous time it's certainly a time for innovation. It's a time for technology and for young people to really be able to take up technology to defend themselves, to protect themselves, and to build those healthy and safe communities that we've been talking about and that we, we want to see and that the young people who participated in the hackathon were focused on and the technologies that they really were intent on developing. So I'm very appreciative of all of you of Digital Undivided and its support of the hackathon and its its design of the hackathon and thanks to you Amina and Jerome for being mentors of the teams if folks want to find you how can they do that Darlene how can they find you and Digital Undivided online well they can visit digitalundivided.com and also find us on social media at dig undiv so d i g u n d i v on Twitter, on Instagram, also on Facebook, Digital Undivided. But um, certainly visit our website. There's lots of information there. Sign up for our newsletter to find out what we're doing and, and how how you all, your audience, can, can support us. And Jerome, if folks want to find you and Vets Who Code, how can they do that? Roger that. Our website is vetsucode.io. Uh, we're on uh, Twitter and GitHub and basically, basically all the social media sites. So you can find us through all that. You just type in at vetsucode on Twitter and you'll find us. My Twitter handle is Jerome at Jerome Hardaway, and I'm always open to talk and discuss things techie and uh, comic book as well. And Amina, how can people find you and Block online? If you would like to reach me directly, you can reach me um, at Amina at jointheblock.com. Block without the K, so like the collective, not so the neighborhood block. Uh, and then you can also um, reach us on Instagram or Twitter at that sign R O U R underscore block and B L O C. Thank you all for being on the show. Darlene Gillard-Jones is the chief community officer and a founding team member of Digital Undivided. Jerome Hardaway is the executive director of Vets Who Code, and Amina Yamusa is the founder and CEO of Block. Many, many thanks to all of you again for joining us, and thanks to everyone for listening in. Remember that you can follow me at Allison R. Brown on Twitter and sign up for the Communities for Just Schools Fund newsletter at cjsfund.org. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful week.